I'll be honest with you, rodeo season is about to kick off, and I am not a rodeo guy, uh, but I do like good cowboy boots. And Tacovas, well, they're all about rodeos, but you know what else they're about? Rock and roll. My best friend is a rock and roller. He's a guitarist. He wears these boots. It's awesome. Tacovas believes in Western for all, and you can feel that when you go into their stores. When you walk in, you'll be greeted like family. Offer to boot shine and drinks, yes, even the hard stuff if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. You can even get custom leather stamping or branding that'll make your boots truly one of a kind. Look up your closest store on Tacovas.com. If you can't make it into the store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And Point your toes west. As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Tacovas.com. Just use the code TRUCKS at checkout. That's T-R-U-C-K-S. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter the code TRUCKS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas, Only at Tacovas.com. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Have you ever been disappointed, my friend? Constantly, but we're not talking about bedrooms, are we? No. On this episode of TFL Talking Trucks, we're talking about the most disappointing truck powertrains of the last decade. Yeah, or decade and a half, actually, in one case. But these are, it's not just an engine, it's not just a transmission, it's a mixture of the two. So in some cases, it's the engine that lets everything down, or it's the transmission that lets everything down. Yeah, but we're also doing more than this because we have news. Oh, yeah. We have to thank you guys because you support our podcast in a huge way on patreon.com slash TFLcar. So we have to thank actually several people because uh, we've been on the road recently. Yeah. And we haven't been able to address a lot of Patreon questions. That's correct. So we, had, we do have a couple of comments and questions. All right. Well, before we do that, can I go on to a mini? It's not really a rant. It's just something I noticed today, and it's... Something oh, I yeah. want to impart to our viewers and listeners. Yes. Is it truck related or pickup related? It is actually pickup related, but it can okay. be any type of vehicle okay. related. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try to make this two minutes or less. Uh, many, many, many years ago when I was just learning how to drive, my dad constantly would say the same things whenever I would sneeze or cough or anything else whenever my eyesight was limited driving. Always take your foot off the accelerator. It was just like his thing, always, always telling me this. My old man, among other things, he did drive trucks when he was a kid and everything else, and so he has old knowledge. So fast forward many, many, many years after he's passed, and I'm on the freeway, Mm -hmm. and I suddenly have one of those major allergy attacks, you know, where you're sneezing for, and your eyes are closed for a couple seconds, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it's like sneeze, 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 and... 
even though my car does have an alert system, which is, by the way, Hyundai Santa Cruz, I didn't get the upper level, which has auto braking. So it'll tell you you're going to hit somebody, but it won't do anything about it. Okay. So anyway, I'm sneezing and sneezing. I take my foot off the accelerator. So the car is starting to slow down. I'm not seeing anything for a couple seconds. And right at the moment, my car is like yelling, brake, brake, brake. I hit the brakes right when my eyes open. And I just missed hitting a vehicle like within a couple inches. So this is like on the highway. We often have this on our local highway yeah. here where there's a lot of slowdowns, especially in the mornings and oh, the afternoons yeah. during rush hour, right? Yeah, the irony was there was a slowdown because people were looking at an accident and that accident... It always happens this way. It, God. And then someone rear in somebody else because somebody was doing a rubbernecking or whatever. I mean, and that is... I know people are supposed to slow down going past an accident until they get that, but I mean, this was stopped traffic. So anyway, a um, little uh, PSA out there. Uh, even if you do drive a modern vehicle with auto braking, the idea is that if you remove your foot from the accelerator, especially if you're on the highway, when you start sneezing and you make that kind of something that you're accustomed to doing, decelerating just a little bit can really help out in an emergency situation. Yes. And can I add to this? Yes, please. little episode? Absolutely. Um, my grandfather and my father also, well, as I was learning to drive and mm. such and such, uh, they always said, prepare for the worst. Yeah. You know, um, in any situation, you know, especially we talk a lot about overlanding, off-roading. Sure. You really have to prepare for the worst. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe bring some snack, maybe an extra blanket, a tow rope, shovel, you name it. You know, you have to be prepared. I would agree 100%. And I think we could do an entire uh, podcast based on a preparedness kit, like an emergency roadside kit and perhaps some sort of overlanding kit as well for the basics. You know what? It sounds like a holiday op episode. Yeah. And we have because some... there's a lot of you know little items you can gift to your ah, special person. Yeah. Yes. That's not a bad idea. Hey, and we didn't even try to segue into that. <laughs> Although, if you are a sponsor and you wish to sell your goods on TFL, <laughs> so, sorry, I just couldn't help it. But uh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And perhaps that's something we could start doing next month. Um, okay, but let's get back to this. You want to go to Patreon first? Or you yeah, start? I would like to thank some people okay. before we get into this, some of the disappointing powertrains. Uh, there are also lots of good powertrains. Oh, there are. Yeah. We're co and we're covering every uh, automaker that builds a truck or sells a truck in the United States. Yep. But first, I want to thank Alex... Wembolt, Abel Garcia, Jonathan, Frank Ensley, Matt Wilbanks, Benjamin Sheridan, and Sam Peed. Uh, I think I got those correctly. You got those correct, although the way you were reading them was like an automated voice. <laughs> Thank you for dialing Sam. So uh, I believe Alex and Abel had, or Abel, I'm sorry, um, I had is. comments and questions, but let's address these questions a little bit later in the show. Absolutely. Um, just in a few minutes. Okay. But thank you guys for your support. Obviously, you don't have to support us, but your support, especially in the aggregate, when multiple people support us like this, uh, helps a lot. That's right. It allows us to get new t-shirts too, which I happen to be wearing an alltfl.com shirt. Hint, hint. Yeah, people have asked me about this. Why am I wearing alttfl.com shirt once mm, in a while? Yeah. Well, it's because we have multiple channels, websites, and podcasts. But how can people find out everything TFL? 
in one so place. It's all in one place on alltfl.com. That's funny how that works. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, it, we never anticipated growing this much and having so many outlets. But if you think about it, it's really hard to keep up on what we're doing if you're you know, an outsider looking in because we have eight channels. We have four websites. We have three podcasts. So yes. it's an awful lot to put together with a small team like ours. And frankly, we're not very good at notifying you guys when we put out new information. So alltfl.com, that's the yeah. simple way to find everything. It's kind of like a feed where everything TFL is in one place. That's exactly it. And yeah, I want to thank you guys for making our podcast one of the most popular and leading podcasts in the automotive space. So I want to thank you guys. For thank that. you yeah. so much. So... Where should we start? Which automaker? Are we going in alphabetical we, uh, terms here? You or? know, I, I often do, um, but uh, some people don't like that. So do you want to start from the bottom and <laughs> start from Ram? From the very bottom? Well, the bottom-ish. Okay, right. It's so, up to you. You're, you're, you're the truck guy. So Ram, let me go on a tiny rant. No, no, please do. Um, so Ram... And it's actually not a rant. I, I'll do both. Okay. A small rant and also defense. Let him at uh, Because uh, some people say that the reason why some, you know, Ram trucks is struggling with sales, and they are, mm -hmm. uh, compar comparatively to others, right. is because they have older engines and older trucks in their fleet. I would say that's partially true. Yeah. But I want to defend that and say that that's okay. Because, for example, the current... Uh, even the Pentastar, the 3.6 liter V6 they have in some of their Ram 1500 trucks, uh -huh. it's actually been around for a very long time. They've yeah. built millions of those engines, yeah. literally over the last decade. And it's really reliable in our experience. And also their Hemi has been reliable. So if it ain't broke, why do you want Ram to fix these problems and I think that don't that exist? Okay. Uh, I think there's a simple answer to that, though. Uh, okay. Uh, their efficiency levels are down compared to some of their... Uh, yeah, that could be true in some respects, yes. Right. And everybody out there, unless you were born under a rock, if you're listening to this podcast, you know about the Hurricane, which is their straight twin-turbo six-cylinder engine, Yes. Um, which we expect to see inside of a Ram and still hasn't happened. And I think a lot of people are interested in that to want, you know, because the power gains are going to be notable. Yeah, and straight six engines, period, are one of the best engines in the history of automotive Industry. I mean, yeah. just look at some of the Mercedes straight sixes, BMW straight yeah. sixes, Toyota even had straight sixes. Um, I can go on for like a day listing all the wonderful engines. There's an awful lot of people who wondered why a lot of straight sixes went away. And in some cases, it's packaging. In other cases, it's simply uh, less expensive to build a V6, which is, you know, in some cases, a lobbed off V8. You know, yeah. there, there's all these different reasons, of course. Uh, but in terms of the powertrain, I think that that is the reason why. It's an aging powertrain, and people want what's new. Okay. Well, that's fair. Um, so uh, starting with Ram over the last decade or so, uh, they did have one combination, this one particular powertrain that just didn't work out and it soon disappeared. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about the 5.7 liter Hemi in their heavy duty truck lineup, which I mean, at first you look at it, okay, it's a V8 in the, in the heavy duty truck. What could go wrong? <laughs> But but it wasn't powerful enough. No, it, it or it, efficient enough, I would say. Yeah, I think uh, what they were doing was they, they were trying to fill a gap and have an entry level powertrain, yeah. yeah. and it just didn't work out because the performance numbers were terrible. And usually, 
So a 5.7 is wonderful in a light-duty truck. In a light-duty truck. But as soon as you load it up, either with trailers or heavy payloads, like a heavy-duty truck would work, mm-hmm. um, you're starting to work that engine near the peak of its power range. Right. So it's always revving, it's always working, and it becomes really, really inefficient at this level, right? Because it's always revving way up high. Just uh, to, to, for you guys, you know, if you're curious, it's no longer being built. They stopped building them in 2013. Yeah, I believe that was one of the last years where you can get the small Hemi in a heavy-duty Ram. Right. But now they have this big 6.4-liter Hemi, and recently they attached it to an 8-speed ZF automatic. This was several years ago. And I think it's still a wonderful combination. I do, too. Well, we, we like it in the power wagon. Yeah. It's, it's a great powertrain in the power wagon, not a, that efficient. But with the 8-speed, it's more efficient than it was before. Um, but really, that's that's there are only a few gas engines that you can really get now from Ram, and in the heavy duties, there's only one I believe that you can get, which is the big 6.4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and like Ford is uh, branching out. They have a, a couple of gasoline options right. now: the 6.8 and the 7.3. Right. And notice big displacements, right? So small displacements don't quite work in big trucks, right? As far as efficiency and some of the power levels uh, that they require. So, I, I personally speaking, if you guys were out there looking for a Ram that could tow a lot um, and you wanted a heavy duty, if you came across those 5.7s, you might want to double check online to make sure that the specs are up to what you were hoping for. Or if your job or your task requires just carrying some payloads from here to there, mm-hmm. the 5.7 could work for you. Yeah, because the payload is much yeah. higher than it would be on a half-ton truck. And it's not working the truck too, too much, exactly. right? So. That's kind of where that comes from. Okay, so should we move on to Toyota? Okay, yes. So just as soon as I pulled up a power wagon. <laughs> sorry. I'm behind. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's uh, okay. I, uh, yeah, let, let me pull up. A, um, what, what are we talking about here? Well, the Toyota, um, it's the 3.5 liter V6 with the automatic transmission. Yes. Uh, I think we have to talk about this. Yep. Because the Tacoma is the most popular mid-sized pickup truck in the U.S. by far. I in mean, the, in the universe. I mean, even the Hilux related, its yeah. cousin, the Hilux, is also the most powerful, uh, popular. Pickup. Yeah, and they are lauded vehicles for a good reason. I mean, they are extremely well put together. They tend to be very reliable, and they're strong trucks in general, and they're just extremely popular. But not everything is perfect. Yeah, and it, I think you you called it out. The 3.5, which is a dual-injection motor, they introduced, what, 2016-ish, 2015, when the, when the current Tacoma came out? And you and I went to that event. Yep, in yep. Tacoma, Washington. In Tacoma, Washington. That was funny. Um, and, but the thing is, it's a high-tech engine, right? They improved the technology of that engine. But then how it made it to the six-speed auto just wasn't a good pairing, yeah. especially at higher elevations where we are. When we towed with that vehicle at higher elevations... It was not happy. Uh, I'm talking about in terms of revs, um, in terms of whether or not it actually could even kick down a gear, which it never wanted to do when we were really pushing it up the gauntlet. It was just a very unhappy pairing. However, there is something that you can get to fix that if you do want to tow, but I think it affects your towing numbers, and that is the manual manual six-speed. Yeah, and we've driven manual uh, transmission 3.5 liter Tacomas, Mm -hmm. and it kind of wakes up the whole thing. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, so the gearing ratios are a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Plus, you have a little bit more control. Like, you can actually put it in the gear that you desire, 
uh, for certain applications. Exactly, right? exactly. As as opposed to relying on the you know the vehicle and its algorithm, everything else to find what you need, you do it on your own. Yeah. So of course that engine is going away soon because the next generation Tacoma is coming almost within a month or two now. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, getting close. At the end of this year, t- calendar year 2023, Toyota will sell the all-new Tacoma. It's going to come online. So, and it's switching to turbocharging, right? It's going to... Exclusively, a, right? Yeah, 2.4-liter yeah. uh, four-cylinder turbo, and then later a hybrid four-cylinder turbo right. as well. So, and by the way, the 4Runner... Still uses the four liter V6, so a different engine and the five speed. and a five speed yeah. auto. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's that's taking it back. Basically, was when Italian was in diapers. <laughs> My God, I mean that has been around forever. But you mentioned it before. If it ain't you know broke, why fix it? Yeah, that's what Toyota has been doing. Yeah, but I think that you know with their overall, they want their cafe numbers to improve. They want all of that to improve and. After the Tacoma is introduced, the new one, I'm sure that we're going to see an all-new 4Runner. We, we've been expecting this, and we are expecting it to share powertrains with the new batch of Toyota trucks that are out there. But yeah. we'll see. Yeah, totally. And Toyota has been moving to hybridization across the board. You know, the new Sequoia is a hybrid. The Sienna minivan is a hybrid. Land Cruiser. Land Cruiser is going to be a hybrid. Yep. Exclusively, yep. right? That's um, it. Yeah. Lexus vehicles are becoming almost all hybrids across the line. Mm -hmm. So Toyota is not really electrifying, I mean, a true battery electric vehicle, but they're hybridizing almost all of it. Yeah, and in another video, perhaps uh, we'll do this a little bit later on the uh, car podcast, we'll talk about uh, Toyota and their leaps and bounds in the direction of solid-state batteries. So yeah, that is on the horizon. You know, it's been on the horizon for the last, like, five or ten years. But they've made some recent breakthroughs. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it was the promise that was kind of always like a rainbow. It's yeah, always a little bit just a little bit further than you can actually reach. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so that's something worth looking into for those of you who feel that Toyota isn't making strides in the BEV movement. They are, um, and they've recently had some major, major breakthroughs. So anyway, going back to this, um, I will say that the Tacoma with the V6, yeah, with the automatic transmission, it's thirsty. It's not particularly fast, and it's not very refined, even though it is a high-tech engine. For the time, it was high-tech, but Mm -hmm. by today, I mean, if you put it up against a Nissan Frontier, which is its direct competitor, the Nissan Frontier is far more modern, uh, much smoother, and it's more efficient, yet it has... Pretty, I, I think well, similar more displacement. Power to, yeah, similar displacement. A little bit more, more, more power. Yeah, yeah for more sure. power, uh, more torque. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but it doesn't tow more. But that's a different thing. That's that's also and based I think, on the truck itself. Uh, maybe Toyota did see this, and that's why the uh, the turbocharged engine, the next gen, has way more torque oh my God, than yeah. we ever expected. Yeah, and really good power as well. So. Yeah, it's 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 worth. Hey, I know a lot of you guys are anti-turbo. I get it, but. Um, you know, let's see what they did. Uh, Toyota knows how to make things reliable. And they know that's part of their reputation. So I'm sure that they found some tricks to make these things work well. And they're doing it in a gradual manner, right? Mm-hmm. The Highlander uses that engine right now right. in a different orientation. So it's not like they're throwing a brand new engine into one of their most popular vehicles. No, it's a tested powertrain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. De- definitely. So should we move on? Oh, you mentioned Nissan. Should we go to Nissan? Yep, Nissan's okay, okay. next. And... 
I know you guys are like, well, there's just one engine. Well, there was two. You see, um, now we could be talking about, of course, the old four liter from Nissan, which some of you guys think was no, really thirsty. But, but it, it served went, well. It served very well. Yeah. And uh, honestly, it was one of my favorite engines that Nissan built. I liked it even better than the uh, Toyota four liter just because I thought it was a little bit easier and less expensive to maintain. But and that's a whole different thing. Now, we're talking about the Nissan 5-liter V8 diesel from Cummins. Yeah, in the Titan XD specifically, which was their larger Titan mm -hmm. that is on sale and was on sale. But unfortunately, the announcement of, from a couple months ago is that the Titan is discontinued. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Uh, well, not right now, but as of next summer, it will no longer be produced. That is correct. But we have to go back a couple of years to see when they discontinued the five-liter Cummins. Yes. Which was... We were in the forefront. Sorry to interrupt no, no, you no, here. No, no, I'm trying to think of the year. Well, 2017-ish uh, is when we first took this uh, five-liter onto the iGauntlet World Stuff Stowing Test. I have an image behind us if you're not if you're just listening to us of this yellow Titan XD. We were in the forefront of testing this engine. Mm -hmm. Of course, we went to the first drive. Yep. But Nissan was nice enough to um, you know send us a loan vehicle that we could actually test, and we were testing it in the winter. Look at that giant tr trailer that Mr. Truck provided for us. Yeah, it's a giant trailer, but we only have like a couple ATVs on it just to, to, to make it up to but, the weight. But, but you know why? Because it just didn't tow as much as no, a heavy-duty. No, as a heavy-duty truck, exactly. Yeah. It was an in-between truck, between a half-ton and a heavy-duty. And it wasn't, this engine wasn't as efficient as I expected mm -hmm. or as quick as I expected. So it kind of fell into this gray area. Right. Yeah. Now, we've had people write into us and... I've emails, I've, had, I've talked to people on the street, and they've all said the same thing. Those who are big Nissan fans, they went and bought uh, the 5-liter Cummins, and it was the best engine they ever bought, and it can't do any wrong, and, you know, all these things that were wrong, and they're right. And I don't know, it's not about a debate. This, these are numbers that we actually managed to get based on our testing. And in addition... Nobody well, they had some reliability later down the thank road. Thank you, yes. Reliability that, problems. Reliability, yes. and it's the very expensive powertrain to maintain. Uh, diesel engines in general are far more expensive to maintain than gas engines. So if there's only one, only one diesel in all of the vehicles that you sell, then it's going to be a very difficult thing for any mechanic over at any particular shop that Nissan runs to actually maintain that vehicle. Think about it. Diesel mechanics are certified differently than regular mechanics for a good reason. So... And, I mean, Cummins has a name. Yes. They have the brand. But they're really known for their straight-six engines, exactly. right? Um, and this is anywhere from Ram heavy-duty trucks to big semis with bigger displacement engines. Um, so you would imagine a Cummins mechanic may be down the road at the truck stop mm -hmm. somewhere. Yeah. But still, this was a new design. This exactly. Was a V8. And it wasn't a common design. Yeah. Um, now, the interesting story about this powertrain. This is a, initially was going to be a Ram powertrain. That's the rumors. And a guy named Fred Diaz, who used to be head of Ram, 
left and went to Nissan, and that powertrain followed him, basically, and it, that's how Nissan acquired it. And I, it must have been a hard sell for him to convince them, hey, we're going to build a heavy-duty truck, but it's really not a heavy-duty truck. And unfortunately, I think that that was just a terrible place to start. They introduced that vehicle first, remember? Mm -hmm. First, we had the yeah. uh, heavy-duty, yeah. then, or the XD. Then we had the regular one, and it's just like, why is the volume leader not here? Know, not here. Yeah. And it was, it was not a gr everything about that was poorly handled. And s simply to say that the vehicle, the, the axle wasn't correct, nothing was correct, and really to, to make that thing a competitor with the heavy duty segment, uh, other than the frame, right? The frame was stout. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But that, but that really was it, right? Yeah. Well, the frame was different from the regular Titan. Exactly. And it was bigger and taller and stronger. Yeah, I think a lot of people are confused by that because they think in some cases that the XD is simply a regular Nissan with, you know, no, no it's the not. whole truck was different. Yeah, the, really the, the, the backbone of it was different. Yeah, but you, it's not easy to tell that from the yeah, outside. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's a big well, disappointment. That powertrain uh, just never lived up to what we were hoping for. It. And now the truck is not living up. Yeah, well, uh, it's going away. Yeah. Although sales have increased significantly for that truck. Yeah, we just recently did a story. So check, once again, check out oldtfl.com because, you know, when you announce something is going away, yeah. it's going to become popular. Unless people really hated it in the first place. But in this, I think this shows that there is some love out there for the uh, Nissan Titan. So, yeah, check it out. That We did, we did do a, um, a whole show on uh, sales numbers, and it's worth talking about. So, uh, But we should probably – you're going to want to do one of the Patreon? Yeah. Can we do one of the questions Hell here? yeah. This is from Alex Wembold. Um, on, this is on patreon.com slash TFLcar. This is our only Patreon page. And this is one of our better ways to communicate with each other. Um, uh, he has a question about tires. Specifically, he lives in Arizona. And people initially, when I think of Arizona, I think about heat and Phoenix. Yeah. But actually, Arizona is very diverse. Because if you drive two hours north from Phoenix, you're in Flagstaff. Mm -hmm. And this is 7,000 feet above sea level, snow, pine trees. The whole nine yards. Very similar to what we're used to right here in Colorado by the Rockies. It's a very similar type of terrain. And Alex has a Tahoe Z71, and he has some Goodyear Duratrack tires, and he was disappointed in their snow performance, hmm, which is tires. And you know, uh, you know, the Power Wagon used to have this tire, yeah, the Duratrack, and it's really big lugs, right? Very aggressive off-road tire, but they don't have a lot of sipes. So yeah. it's not really a snow performance tire. The, but, see, I have a Duratrack on my daughter's car, and I just put them on there. Which car? Uh, she has a 2011 Ford Escape. Uh-huh. And I wanted her to have the best tires I can get my hands on. And those tires have the highest snow rating for non-snow tires. Does it have a snow peak? Yeah, the little... snow peak with a little thing so on a, it. So that's a, probably a different... Different tires. It's still named Duratrack. Dur exactly. And that's the confusion because there's so yeah. many different Goodyear Wranglers out there. So that one has so far seems to be great. But you know what my favorite is? What? The trail terrain from BF Goodrich. Are, it's such an excellent compromise. Very good in the snow. Do you have that on your yes, Santa Cruz? Yes, I, I put them on the Santa Cruz. And even though I really wanted KO2s at the time, which KO2s are really, really good for all-around tires, but these trail terrains are a little bit better in the snow than the KO2s, and I had no problems in the snow. I never lost traction. And it's also a balance of how aggressive you want to go with your tire as yeah. far as the tread design, 
because like are you driving through mud once in a while, mm-hmm. right? And also, are you willing to sustain a little bit louder noise on the highway yes. if you have big lugs on your aggressive tire? Well, and there's, there's so many other things because you compromise ride and handling when you go for super off-roady tires, in addition to the fact that many off-road tires are not particularly good in snow. And Andre and I discovered that years and years and years ago when we went did our Motor Mountain USA tour, uh, Andre... Uh, and I did a majority of the of the driving on this. I trip. remember being stuck in Utah in the snow. We were going to high elevation, yeah. and we got stuck. And what do we have? We had we're like not KM threes. Were they um, KM twos? The KM2s. previous generation yeah. of the uh, KM tire from B of Goodrich, uh-huh. but it had no sipes. None whatsoever. None. We were almost completely beached and stuck in snow. Yeah, um, and, we were towing a trailer. Yes, we were towing a trailer <laughs> at the time. We got lucky that we got out of there. So, in my experience, you know. Off-road tires are great if you actually do off-road, but there there aren't very many compromises between having a super off-road tire and then one that's very good in snow because it's the trade-off with the sipes and also sidewall thickness. All these other things do play into it. And I was recently with David, uh, our buddy yeah, David yeah, Morrow, right. and he believes completely. He's been using Michelin Defender LTX MS tires. That's a long name. But, but basically, them. the Defender LTX, yeah, specifically for truck use, mm-hmm. uh, this is a LT tire. Also, for heavy-duty trucks, they make uh, one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Sipes, so good performance, M&S, mud and snow, and also longevity, mm-hmm. huge life. I mean, they are more expensive, obviously, yeah. but you get the quality that you want. And also, he swears different terrains, dust, dirt, mud, and snow, and ice, the Defender LTX got him through most of it. Yeah, he is quite a spokesman for it, but he's he's speaking from a place of authority because he lives been using in, it for twenty years, and he he really does work the land. The dude is constantly off road in snow, in mud, uh, going over cow pies and all that other stuff. He really knows tires that perform well, and that's why he swears by these things. So there's another opportunity right there. And I like. Uh, on my trail boss, I have the um, Duratrek Terry. I'm sorry, <laughs> I messed it up. Yeah, Duratrek. No, it's not a Duratrek. No, it's, it's a Goodyear Wrangler Territory MT. Yes. Okay. So it's a mud. It's like a maximum traction. It's a different language that um, Territory people are using. Goodyear is um, so confusing sometimes. He, yeah, they just have a lot of options, so you have to be very careful when you're picking your tire. Right. But this tire is aggressive, and also. In my experience, I know some of you have argued with me about this, uh-huh. but in my experience, really good um, all-around performance in the winter as well. Mm. So, Alex, hopefully this gives you a few options. Um, Based I would, on our experience. I, w- I would spend a little bit more dollars. Uh, yeah. It's easy to buy something cheap when you go into that store and buy the tire, but I think if you spend you know, $100 more per tire, which sounds like a lot, you can get a lot of quality and a lot of performance out of it. There is one other option, too. Yeah. You could buy winter tires and swap them annually. Sure. It's such a pain in the neck to do, but there are a lot of people right here in Colorado who still do that. And some tire places will even work a deal with you where they'll start store your tires for X amount of months for free as long as you buy their tires or their special plan or whatever. So there, it exists that, you know, you, you can actually go out there and do that or you can even store your tires in your own garage. 
I'm not saying to do that because nowadays tire quality is so much better than it used to be to where I don't think it's as necessary as it used to be. However, a lot of people who live in snow country still firmly believe in swapping tires. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But but you have to store them somewhere. Oh, well, that's, that's my point. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what yeah. I was saying. Yeah. So uh, anyway, should, good luck. Let us know how it goes. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Should we go to uh, Hyundai or where should we go next? Yes. Let's might as well. So Hyundai is the next one on this list, and uh-huh. the reason Hyundai's here is because, of course, they have the Santa Cruz. I'm kind of familiar with little them. Little pickup. Little baby pickup, and. The issues that we've had have all stemmed from one thing that many of you guys who do drive these also have had problems with, and that is the dual-clutch transmission. Yeah, and we've had uh, long-term Santa Cruz last year as well mm-hmm. at TFL, and there were a couple of recalls. And it's just, you know, dual-clutch transmissions are excellent when you're on a racetrack in a high-performance car mm-hmm. or even in a CV maybe, and, you know, those gear changes are very fast. Yeah, they stamp Bam, up. bam, bam, yep. bam. But when you're going off-road, they're not ideal. Um, and it was a little bit problematic in this uh, Santa Cruz. Yeah, and in-city driving also can be an issue with dual clutches. Uh, some people had Like issues. getting going, right, right, initially. Yeah, you're rolling back as if you have a clutch that won't engage. Or, or in some cases, having stuttering, um, weird gear selection, overheating issues. And in Hyundai's case, also some computer issues. Uh, we were we had a warning once where we had to pull over immediately or else the damn car was going to stop. That was the recall, part of the recall. Mm-hmm. And then they fixed it. But they did yeah. fix it. It actually took a few times. The first time they fixed it, it made it worse. And then the <laughs> second time they fixed it, it made it much, much better. And yes. it was and it it really did improve. Um, if the thing is is that that transmission only comes with the turbocharged engine. But there are no other options. You can't get the turbo with the regular eight speed. Right. Uh, and you can't get the tur- dual clutch with the regular four-cylinder engine that's, n- you know, non-turbo. But, but can you give us a little bit of, because you have a lot of miles on your regular non-turbo. Yeah, over 14,000. Yeah. But how has it been? It's been okay. I've noticed that, especially when it's a little bit on the colder side, uh, gear changes every once in a while. It seems like it likes to bounce a bit and like rev up when it's not supposed to between second and third and third and fourth sometimes. But then it settles down and it's fine. And it's it's barely noticeable. You just kind of hear the engine going. Um, reliability? Reliability has been fine. And I've okay. been driving it hard. I've towed with it and I've hauled a lot with it. But you also put a lot of miles on this. Yeah, 14,000 yeah. plus. And it's been less just under a year now. Um, and in addition, really the only issue I've had was a recall where they called it in because the wiring harness for the trailer um, lights was recalled, and they recalled it, and they took it off, and they never replaced it. Is it like a shortage? It's supposed to yeah. be a short that they yeah. had, and they just are trying to avoid cars catching fire in your driveway. Ugh. But, but um, you want to tell. That's one of the reasons. I know. That's what really ticks me off. Because Not a lot, but you wanted to tell something. Yeah, actually, yeah. and there are a couple times now where I've missed out because if they've taken so long to rectify the problem. By the way, real quick, some of you guys are like, well, why don't you just get, you know, uh, an aftermarket, a U-Haul. whatever, U-Haul, whatever. U-Haul system. The whole point of buying this vehicle on top of me having something to drive back and forth to work is I can put down on paper what it takes to keep this vehicle maintained from a regular perspective. So, yes, of course I could go to a company and have them replace the hitch or the uh, the wiring, but I'm a regular customer and I'm reporting to you guys as such. When they fix it, then you will know and then I'm treated just like any other customer. 
Well, you want to predict your expenses, basically. That's exactly yeah. it. And I want to show them because if I get rid of this after two years, four years, six years, whatever, then I'll be able to tell you guys exactly how much it costs to run this thing and where the problems were. And right now, one of the problems is how long it's taking them to replace the wiring. Okay. Shall we move on? Yeah, move on. Where, where are we going now? We're now at Honda. Oh. And uh, Honda, you have to go uh, way back to the first generation. Um, I uh, To the first generation, sorry, Ridgeline. Um, I had experience with an 07, 2008, 2009. Uh, they uh, were perfectly fine with one exception. Not very efficient considering their size. Combined MPG was 17, and it was really hard to even achieve that. I've been on events, and I've actually had the, the first generation in my garage more than once, and I rarely was able to get anywhere near what the combined MPG was from the EPA. Now that's the 3.5 liter, and that's with the five-speed automatic transmission. Things have improved since. Um, not a lot of reliability issues with these vehicles. They're actually pretty stout, and I've seen plenty on the road. Yeah, of course, just like anything else, there are issues. Uh, the later transmission that replaced it supposedly had some issues. But um, this particular model, the fact that it was so inefficient considering how much smaller it was than a full-size truck, yet the MPG was pretty much right there with full-size trucks. It just didn't make any sense to me. You're talking about the boxy one, right? Yep. Yeah. Not, not the current generation no, 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 of, no. The, of the Ridgeline, the, the previous one. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't have a lot of experience with that machine. Yeah. Even though this, this shape of it is a little bit endearing to me because it's just blocky and kind of big. But I, I don't have a lot of experience with that one. You know, if you look at the silhouette of the first generation Ridgeline, it's almost hard to tell which side, which way it's facing. You know, which, which <laughs> it's going backwards or forwards? Yeah, it's really hard. If you look at it, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, and I think that it gave uh, Elon's designer some... Um, oh, uh, inspiration? Inspiration when he built the Cybertruck. Because you could, you could see some of these lines. The thing is, is that the Ridgeline... To me, I, I mean, it was never a pretty vehicle, but, it, you know, it looked purposeful, and I was fine with it. I just didn't, you know, it was different. Uh, the newest generation, I'm very fond of, and I think it's a great-looking truck. And also, it gets really good fuel mileage now. Uh, it should do better, considering that it's lighter than other uh, mid-sized trucks, I think, but um, it has improved quite a bit. But 17 MPG, which was never there as far as my experience, isn't very good for a vehicle that was competing with full-size trucks that equaled it, if not getting better than that. So, Yeah, and Honda has continued to um, refine their powertrain. Like, yep. they have a nine-speed now, yes. right? And, and it's actually, well, yes, the more gears you introduce, there's a little bit of cost involved, right? Yeah. But, it, but it's just smoother, more efficient. It just improves the whole thing. Yeah, gear ratios have changed and been revised as well. And... It gets much better highway MPG than it did before. It, it, the, the, it's a real shame because they're pretty inexpensive right now, and I would always recommend you know a Honda Ridgeline to those people who don't need to seriously tow or seriously haul, but want you know some utility. They're extremely utilitarian, but they're just pretty thirsty. And also pretty popular. I mean, they gained popularity recently. They don't sell a ton of them, but they do sell quite well. Year over year, they tend to improve a little bit, yeah. and but without any major peaks or valleys, right? So uh, it's not just the Toyota, or sorry, the Toyota. It's not just the Honda crowd that's buying them. They are getting some conquest sales, and I think good for them. You know, it it's easy to to blast them, or you know, or, or the Hyundai um, 
vehicles or, or even the Ford Maverick because they're not real pickups. I get it. Um, but the other side of it is for those people out there who really don't need the extra capacity of some of these trucks with frames, these make a lot of sense. And um, the Honda, they are fairly inexpensive, but you have to get one with high mileage. Uh, but at the same time, as I said before, don't expect a lot of efficiency out of those older ones. Yep. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to this guy? Yeah, Ford. Yeah. Well, Ford has a lot of powertrains to choose between. Oh, my gosh. And they've been paring down recently, like yeah, in a, a big way. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially for the F-150. So uh, the, the powertrain we're, we're going to talk about here is their 3-liter V6 Power Stroke, which is a small diesel that they had for just a couple of years, maybe yeah. two to three years in their F-150 lineup. Now, talk about the history, because the history of it is actually has to do with Land Rover. Yeah, so Land Rover has been using the 3-liter V6 uh, turbo diesel for a number of years. I believe it was produced in the UK. Do you remember this? I don't know. Forget the city. Anyways, um, it was. It, I think it served in the Land Rover quite well. But then, you know, the Eco Diesel was around with Ram, mm -hmm. uh, and the um, Ford needed an answer because GM was also coming out with a straight six Duramax. Yep. Right um, in their Silverado pickup trucks and. Um, Ford needed an answer, but it's a larger vehicle, right? The F-150 is heavier. It needs to tow more. Exactly. And they beefed it up a bit, but it was never as powerful or as quick or, or as efficient as, or as refined right. as some of the others. Now, by the way, when we were talking about RAM, these, we had two points on RAM, and the other one was their Eco Diesel. Let's talk about this now, too. Yeah, let's drop back to that real quick. So we're going to quickly go back to RAM. And the reason why is because their Eco Diesel... When it first came out, it was pretty impressive, but then <laughs> it got recalled. So it was a weird because, me included, I was a huge uh, fan because people, you guys also who watch and listen to this, been asking for a turbo diesel in a full-size truck, I don't know for how many years, right. maybe decades, right? Uh, because we wanted uh, something more efficient on the highway for long-distance driving. Right. And finally, Ram answered. This yep. was like 2015-ish, Yep. right? They answered. I think you went to the one of the original events with Roman, yep. maybe, on, on that. We went to an uh, early event for that. And, you know, the, the engine is... Uh, the company is Italian that builds the V6, uh, and when it initially came out, the numbers were remarkably good. Yes. And then it was, uh, it faced a, an emissions regulation issue. Yeah, the EPA was not amused. And because of that, they forced Ram, aside from or FCA back then, to pay a huge fine, major penalties. And, and retune it. And retune it. Now, the reason why a lot of you guys may not have heard of this is because at that time, it was around the same time of Dieselgate, which was even a bigger scandal with Volkswagen. But uh, yeah, Ram actually, you know, they, they made some mistakes as well. And as such, they were forced by the EPA to retune these engines. And the, once these engines were retuned, well, you can... Yeah, part of the issue was similar to VW's. Um, not the same technology, obviously, but the issue was that under load, the vehicles while moving, and especially under load, they were producing emissions that were outside some of the regulations. Right. But when they were idling, they were fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was a difference in how... So when they were being tested, essentially, uh, they... Yeah, the so that was one of the issues. Yeah. 
And this engine was also in the Grand Cherokee mm-hmm. of, of the era. Yep. So it affected a couple of vehicles. They fixed, I mean, they retuned it, they fixed it. Uh, they introduced a delay. A lot of owners were not happy about the delay right. in this particular powertrain. And now it's gone. They discontinued it. It was also in a different generation, was in the Gladiator. Uh, yeah, and the Wrangler. Uh, yeah. So all gone. All they gone. discontinued this engine. Yeah, I think they were seeing some problems in their tea leaves in the future. Uh, diesel powertrains in general are, have a really hard time with American audiences to begin with. And now with the emissions and whatnot that are coming up in the future and all the other issues, I think that they saw, oh, this is our time to exit. And so they quietly discontinued it. However, um, the reason why we didn't mention the Eco Diesel is because it lived two lives. And one of those lives was a very good one. And the other one was not a great one because after they retuned them, People were complaining about performance drops, mileage drops, overall power drops. And it was exactly at the same time that General Motors came out with their straight six three-liter diesel, and it absolutely wiped the floor. They trounced. They trounced And everybody. they still exist. In fact, GM is uh, expanding the availability of their three-liter Duramax. Which is crazy. Even the right, And they made it cheaper, right? Mm-hmm. It's no longer as expensive as it was. Right. Um, and I recently drove, um, now I can talk about this, a Silverado 1500 ZR2 diesel. So they're combining the suspension of the ZR2 with diesel power. So you got the torque of the diesel. Bam. So now you can go camping forever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you certainly have more range. So let's now bring this all back to the Ford V6. Well, the Ford was never recalled. As far as I know, there was no major recall of the V6. I think that's correct. Yes. But its performance was never as good as General Motors. And... It was sort of on par, I guess, with uh, RAM after RAM's retuning, but it just didn't sell. And the pricing, remember how remarkably expensive Yeah, that you, got, was? you had to fork over some cash some for this engine. Some serious cash for that engine. And, um, I mean, we did some testing. We're, this is not just talking on paper. Mm-hmm. We actually did range testing. We had eye gauntlet testing. Mm-hmm. We did all this stuff. Um, you could see it on tfltrack.com as well. Uh, but then I think the final nail in the coffin of the three-liter power stroke was the hybrid yes. that Ford introduced in 2021. And I actually bought one. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sold it now, but I had it for almost two years. And the hybrid was more torquey, yep. way more efficient. I mean, in the city, more efficient. Yep. And it had the power export feature that the diesel didn't have. Yeah. And yeah, mind blown, but at the same time, also less expensive fuel. Think yes. about it. I mean, so it's it's pretty obvious that Ford, and for, honestly, uh, between us, mm-hmm. I don't think Ford ever really cared much about that engine. They never really pushed it real hard. You know, like they I mean, really, they had an event for it. They had an event for but it. But it not was, a lot it, of marketing. No, and that event was, I, I would say, not a typical Ford event either. It was kind of on the down low by comparison. It just seemed like they were never in love with that powertrain, and they really weren't trying to push it. That's my opinion on that. I, mean, I could be wrong. But I didn't see very many billboards, very many advertisements or anything else. And then when you go into the configurator, it was always like a side thing. Oh, yeah, by the way, you can also get this diesel. Mm -hmm. And it just never seemed like they cared that much about it. Whereas, and if you looked at Ram, up until they got rid of their diesel, they advertised the hell out of it, saying, yes, we have a diesel for this. But at the end of the day, General Motors came out on top in the diesel wars when it comes to half-ton trucks. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's still there. Yeah. Um, and then in 2024, just recently, Ford F-150 discontinued their base non-turbo V6, the gas engine as well. And I think that was a decision 
I don't know if it was like a factory manufacturing decision that played into it. Uh, and also just the power levels were not near modern standards, right? So that, that engine is also gone and the price has increased. Is that a 3.3? No, 3.6. It was, and then it was a 3.5 non-turbo. Yeah. So it was quite confusing because they have an EcoBoost 3.5 and then they had a naturally aspirated 3.5. And I drove it in um, Arizona once and you had to rev the heck out of it to get power. It was not a great truck engine. I would um, agree. So, and it's gone. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Well, now we go to General Motors, so Chevrolet and GMC. So in general, over the last decade, I, I think a lot of their light-duty truck engines were quite good. Mm -hmm. Even their 4.3 V6 that's been in various generations Pretty good workhorse, And it's I been around say. for decades in one form or another. So we're not talking about those. No. Uh, their current V8s are pretty good, especially with 10 speeds. Um, even the 6.2 is pretty good, mm -hmm. even though it likes premium fuel. <laughs> but yeah. their heavy-duty truck engine, when it came out in 2020, it was a 6.6 oh, yeah. new V8. And it first launched with a six-speed auto. And at first, like, oh, new new. New uh, large displacement gas engine. Yeah. Pretty nice. But it didn't pair well with this transmission. Uh, now they fixed it. Okay. So it was at the six-speed that was a problem? Yeah, I, I believe so. Because recently we retested. Uh, they now put the 10-speed Allison Brandon transmission behind it. And it's way better. I, I found it to be uh, on our Denver 100 loop. It was more efficient than before. Mm -hmm. It accelerates better than before. And right. that and that makes sense because the first gear is lower. Mm -hmm. You have more ratios overall. And just they should have launched it like this. It should never, in my opinion, would have needed to be launched with a six-speed transmission. I wonder if they're trying to save money at the time because R&D costs and everything else for all the other things. Probably. And I remember the engineering team saying it's really, really difficult to change everything at once. Yeah. You know, you need to maintain some sort of continuity, right? When you're changing the body or the frame or the engines or the transmissions. If you touch everything to be reliable, that's very, very hard to do. Yeah. So that's why manufacturers sometimes do gradual upgrades. You know, first they change the body, then the engine and so on. Yeah, we've seen it uh, with almost every automaker slash truck maker out there. We've seen examples of that. So it's, it's not unique to just one automaker. Um, so... That is essentially the list. I'm really curious to see what you guys say. You know, over, over the past few decades, what part of the powertrain of a particular automaker really let you guys down? You know, was it a transmission, the engine, both? You know, was it a bad pairing? Um, and, you know, give us some examples. It would be great to read them. And we do read our comments as often as we can. Um, should we go into another yeah. Patreon before yeah. we wrap it up? Yeah, I have another comment and correction from Abel Garcia. So thank you, Abel. And uh, if I mispronounce your first name, I apologize. So I recently did this uh, post on, on a TFL truck website mm -hmm. where I compared heavy-duty trucks. Okay. This was related to the Silverado heavy-duty ZR2, which is new for this year. And it's their off-road specific version of the heavy-duty truck. Right. Because Power Wagon has existed for many years. Yes. And then Tremor, yeah. right? Uh, Super Duty Tremor. And Abel said that I got the towing number incorrect. And that's that's right. I made a mistake. So I apologize. He corrects me. So... Abel, do you want a job? But yeah. Actually, yeah. Do you want to write for me? <laughs> 
We do need facts check. You know, uh, Abel, thank you seriously for, for catching that. And I do appreciate it when you guys, and we do make a lot of mistakes. Uh, one of the problems is because we're such a small team and we try to crank out so much content, we do screw up from time to time. And we do appreciate it when you guys are gracious, and, but at the same time are honest and say, hey, by the way, you, you know, you put the decimal in the wrong spot or this number isn't right or something like that. And we will immediately fix it. You know, we, we do make mistakes. We are human. Of course, Roman never makes a mistake. No, ever. never, never. Ever. But I have a little defense. Can oh. I do my defense? Yes. So first of all, I made two mistakes in my comparison. So first of all, I called the wheelbase of the Ram trucks equivalent to the new Ford and Chevy GM trucks. Yeah. And that's incorrect. The Heavy Duty Rebel and the Power Wagon have 11 inches shorter wheelbase than the Silverado, Sierra, and Ford Super Duty trucks. That's interesting. Um, and that's because it's kind of an older it's generation. It's an older platform. Oh, yeah, it's an older sense. platform. So the recent thing is that these manufacturers are making these trucks a little bit longer. 160-inch wheelbase is now GM and Ford standard mm -hmm. for their standard uh, bed lengths. And they made the bed a little bit longer. And this is great because for fifth wheel towing, you know, when you're making tight corners. Having more bed means less of a chance of it smacking the cab. Yeah, so that's all goodness. Yeah. And I'm hoping Ram will go that way. And so that was one mistake I made. Okay. But the second mistake was because Ford doesn't really have an easy way to check their tremor numbers. Oh, really? You know, because they have so many configurations. Mm. You know, when you're looking at those big spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's daunting. Yeah, I agree. Um, and... I didn't find a very, very accurate listing of the Tremor, Super Duty Tremor payload or towing numbers. And you are correct, Abel. The Tremor Super Duty is rated at up to 23,000 pounds. Damn. Of towing. For a heavy-duty truck. I yeah. mean, off-road truck. Off-road truck. Yeah. That's the part that's really getting me. Yeah. So, so yes, uh, I apologize about that. I corrected it on the website. When you go to tfltruck.com on the comparison... Uh, which is this, uh, I made the corrections. There you See? have it. Yep. See, our viewers are keeping us honest. But that's it, the important yeah. part is that it's a community and the fact that you guys are able to reach out to us and we re we try to respond as quickly as possible. Sometimes, I mean, we're hopping on or off a plane and maybe we don't have, you know, a connection. But normally if Andre sees something he has to fix or Zach um, and occasionally me, but I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> then we'll, they'll jump on it immediately and fix it as soon as they possibly can. So thank you guys for keeping us as honest as we can be. Yeah, right. yeah, totally. And I think maybe I was pushing it too, too, a little bit too much because I did this on the road, yeah. this whole comparison, and I thought, hey, you know what? I can do it. And of course, I made a couple of mistakes. Well, how many times so... have you done that? Like a million times. You've done that so many yeah, times. Yeah, and I, like I'm relying on my brain, you know, like, oh, yeah, my brain knows this. And then, whoopsie, I'm getting older. Well, despite everything, you are still known as the smarter, one of the smarter people at well, TFL. No, I don't know if it's no, intelligence-based. it is. It is. You have a patent after your name for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm being nice because we're on air. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you very much for joining us. We hope you have a wonderful week. Once again, we'd like to get your experiences. Please let us know in the comments below. Thank you uh, for supporting us on our Patreon page. And uh, how do they get to that page? Patreon.com slash TFL car. TFL car is our only page there. Uh, and I just want to preview what we're doing next. Yes. Just, just really, really quick. Uh, we've been on kind of electric kick right lately. 
uh, because there are new pickup trucks coming out. And whenever something new comes out, we jump on it Hell yeah. with all hands, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we had the Silverado EV. That was an exclusive. We tested the hell out of that yes. thing. And we still haven't published everything. Mm. So we have a night gauntlet comparison coming up. So right. stay tuned for that. It will be basically launching at the same time as this episode on the podcast. Then uh, we also have a Rivian. So the Rivian R1T pickup truck, also the electric truck, mm -hmm. uh, they have updated their software. So stay tuned. Uh, we're going to show you uh, the latest software, which makes it actually a little bit more handy to operate. Yep. Which I like. And we're going to be using it with towing and a whole bunch of other stuff. Too. Yep. And as well as off-roading. Yep. So that's going to be excellent. And also coming up later in November-ish or late October, we have our old Toyota comparison series. Old right. affordable Toyotas. Somewhat affordable in some cases. But yes, that series is coming up. So it's uh, along the same lines as our No Payment Needed uh, or cheap series, Jeep series or Cheap Jeep yeah. Series. It's the same type of thing. But this time with Toyotas because you guys asked for it and we're delivering. Yeah, we have three Toyotas that are, were supposed to be under 10K, over 200,000 miles. And we want to see how reliable they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. Don't yeah. say it. I'm not going to say anything. You okay. guys will find out when you see the series, and I already apologize. Anyway, <laughs> have a wonderful <laughs> week, guys. We will see you next time. Take care. Thank you. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.